You're listening to an extra shot episode on the Project Zion podcast, a shorter episode that lets you get your Project Zion fix in between our full-length episodes. It might be shorter time-wise, but hopefully not in content. So regardless of the temperature at which you prefer your caffeine, sit back and enjoy this extra shot. everyone, and welcome to the Project Zion podcast. I'm your host, Carla Long, and I am here with my friend Dustin Davis. And we're going to discuss some spiritual practices on our series, Holy Grounds. Dustin, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. No problem. It's a, it's a great pleasure. Yeah. So Dustin, tell us about yourself. Well, so I live out in Los Angeles, California, uh, in my professional life. I work in, and I attend, though, the in my church life, I attend the Orange Congregation down in the city of Orange, in Orange County, California, just a little bit south of Los Angeles. And in my hobby life, you know, I like to read and go to the movies and cook and explore this huge sprawling city that is Los Angeles and all the different sorts of people that are here. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's a fun place to live. It's exciting. Yeah, it is. Um, So you are a member of Community of Christ in the Orange Congregation. Is that what you said? Yes. And how long have you been down there in L.A.? I have been in L.A. for, oh gosh, about seven and a half years, I think. Oh my goodness, you're almost fully Los Angelified. Yeah, when I tell most people I've been here that long, they say that I can go ahead and count myself full-fledged Angelino. Wow. Although I don't quite believe that yet. Well, yeah, I mean, but I I mean, you definitely have the cool vibe. There's no doubt about that. Oh, thanks. So, Dustin, you've been on a journey um, for a while now with um, spiritual practices and, and learning more about what it means to be a spiritual type person. And um, so I just can't wait to talk to you about that. So my first question. Yeah, and I guess I should say, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Uh, I guess I should say for listeners that I am a member of the Community of Christ Spiritual Formation Team. Oh, what? tell us more about that. Uh, well, I know that you've had a couple other members of the team on this podcast, Katie Harmon McLaughlin and David Brock. And, um, yeah, so I just serve as a member on that team, um, trying to bring new experiences and information and resources and be a voice for the importance of spiritual formation within the community of Christ. Which is just so key. I am really, really happy that Community of Christ is taking a more active role in looking at spiritual practices and helping them to become, hopefully, a daily practice in the life of the church. So I'm just really impressed by the work of the spiritual formation team and really happy that someone is taking this seriously. So thanks so much for your work on that. 
Yeah, and you know, we are really supported also by the church leadership team that even in this time where difficult decisions are being made about um, resources and staffing levels and looking at what is really essential or at what what matters most for community of Christ moving forward, uh, spiritual formation has really been uplifted as something that is essential. Uh, and, and obviously, I believe it is essential for individuals uh, in your own your own journey and your own relationship with God, but that the church is also making it a priority to lift it up as something for the whole church to participate in as a corporate body is something that is really exciting, but also speaks to its um, importance, the important role, the vital role that, that it has in the life of all disciples. For sure. So Dustin, on your journey, um, what spiritual practice do you use to best connect with the divine? Well, so I kind of, I kind of tried to go for a holistic approach um, to, to my spiritual life and the different things I do to keep that active. And so I try to keep in mind three general different areas. Uh, and those are body, mind, and also my heart or or spirit or soul space, uh, if you will. So I kind of do different things to tend to each of those parts of my being because I think they're all important. Um, and I think it helps to be um, nimble and and you you want to exercise all these different parts of yourself. So, so a, a body practice that I do is my running. So I go running uh, about four days a week now. And that has become a time, as I've been doing that for several years and gotten into a regular running habit and practice, that is something that has become much more important to my spiritual life, although it never really started out that way. But it has become a time for me that is a quiet time in the morning, kind of before the bustle of the city wakes up. And it's a time for me that is usually free from distractions because I don't run with my phone. I don't run with music or anything like that. And it's a time to be really outside and time to be in creation. There are some really beautiful outdoor spaces in Los Angeles, but living in a very urban environment like I do, it can be more difficult to to find those nature spaces, those green spaces. You have to be intentional about seeking them out because otherwise you'll just be in your apartment, you'll be in your car, and you'll be at work. Um, so you kind of have to seek out those spaces. So running for me uh, touches on those different things, and it gets me out of my head. It gets me into my body, uh, into feeling the sensation of movement and weight and soreness in my muscles and legs and it also gets me really focusing on on my breath particularly as as I run and my my breath um increases and and quickens and that kind of stuff so it it, it hits on a lot of things uh and I have almost every lesson that I've learned about the spiritual life comes a lot of them come from running and so for me, that has something that has been really crucial. Um, 
and to keep my mind kind of activated and working, you know, um, I just do some spiritual reading and whether that is reading poetry or daily reflection books by some of my favorite spiritual writers or receiving some uh, daily email meditations that I can either read in the morning when I wake up or I can even take the time to read them at work, uh, which I do is great. So, some kind of reading that is always keeping my mind, my intellectual mind, focused um, focused on the spiritual life. Uh, so I do that to, to activate my mind and keep that going. And then in my kind of heart space or my, my soul space, uh, I practice centering prayer. And uh, some of your former guests have talked about, you know, that is a time of, of silence. It is a time, it is a prayer time of no words, just trying to um, be in the presence of God and try to really detach and really let go from my thinking patterns and habits that that can really get you tangled up and and really get you down a rabbit hole and basically everything that keeps you from being present to God in that present moment and really resting in that space and drawing strength and energy from that space. So those are the kind of three things I do, uh, again, to touch on, on my my body and my mind and my spirit. <clears throat> and you do those three things every day? No, I definitely do not do those three things every day. That's a good that's a good question. Um, you know, like I said, running, I do that uh, about four days a week. And um, my, my little bits of spiritual reading, that is something that I do pretty regularly, um, almost every day, again, either with some kind of a devotion book or reading some poems or, um, or just reading some of my other favorite spiritual authors. Uh, that is something that I practice probably most regularly just because that is something, especially those email meditations, which I find very helpful, that is something that just comes to me every single day. Um, and then my centering prayer, that is something I try to do three to four days a week, kind of depending also on my running schedule. So if I'm not running one morning, then I'm using that time to to spend in in a silent, wordless centering prayer mode. So I, so I changed that out with, with my running. Um, I really liked, um, one of the things that you said, I liked a lot of the things you said, but one of the things you said really stuck out to me. You said when you are running, you work really hard to get out of your head. And can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by getting out of your head? Yeah, well, so it is, um, you know, one of the most famous sayings of all time is, I think, therefore, I am. And this is something that that um, probably many people are familiar with, but, and, and a message that we have eternalized uh, just through our popular culture, but is something that is detrimental to our spiritual life, that we think our only being um, and the source of all of our identity 
just comes from our thoughts. And we spend all day long thinking about either what we're experiencing, what we're going to do in the future. We think a ton about what, what we did in the past and maybe what we wish we would have done differently. And it's so easy. I, you know, I call it getting lost down the rabbit hole that you have one thought that comes into your mind about what you ate for breakfast that morning. And really, in 30 seconds, you can be thinking about something you did five years ago, and you're just in a completely different space. And so we're doing that all the time. I think we're, we're always going down these rabbit holes of thoughts into the past or into the future. And so getting out of my head, for me, that really means pausing that constant internal dialogue that I am always, always having with myself and personally sometimes that is a very healthy positive dialogue but sometimes that dialogue is negative I can be very self-critical and get kind of caught in these loops of negative self-talk um, just monologues that are always running through my head all the time and so getting out of my head is really pausing that and getting into my body. So other people might experience this um, doing yoga or something, something that engages your body and kind of shuts down your mind a little bit where thinking is not necessarily um, the point of what you're doing or the primary activity. And it just helps you to remember that you're much more than, than your thoughts because we all have good thoughts, bad thoughts, crazy thoughts, wacky thoughts, thoughts that come out of left field and we're much more than that we are much more than than our thoughts we're living people who are alive and and have bodies and while we have the use of them and i understand that's different for for everybody um but to the extent that we have use of our bodies we should take advantage of that well, thank you for explaining that. As much, though, I must say, I do not like you messing with my fellow mathematician, Rene Descartes, and his saying, I think, therefore I am. <laughs> I understand what you're trying to say. So I appreciate that. Trying to get out of your head is really hard, actually. Um, I have a little post-it note on my monitor, and it reminds me that I need to take time just to stop myself from going down that rabbit hole all through my day. So... I really appreciate the fact that you do it while you're running. That's really awesome. That's really cool. So how does doing these practices change your day? Is it different if you don't do them? Or just tell me more about what your day is like if you don't do a practice versus if you do. So there definitely is a difference between when I do practice or when I don't and you know, like everybody, there are certainly days or even stretches of period at a time, you know, when I am not consistent with my practice. And and there's a huge difference. Um, I mean, one thing that I love about using my running as an example of a practice is you can really tell <laughs> when when you've been running really consistently and what that feels like and the ease that comes with it and the the shortening of the recovery time between runs 
when you're doing all of that consistently, it, it's just a lot easier. It comes a lot more naturally and it is more motivating to, to do it because you realize that there's nothing to, to be afraid of. You're like, you know, this, this isn't going to hurt as bad as I thought because, because I've been doing it. And the same goes for, for my time of centering prayer as well, that when you go for those stretches that you don't practice and then you try to get back into it again, it is really like starting over. Um, and, and that's a very humbling lesson, which I think is really important in the spiritual life. We talk about a concept called the beginner's mind, where we're kind of always starting over and there's always something new to be learned. And, and that is very, very humbling. Um, so anyway, when I do do that, I notice really how that plays out very practically in my life is that I notice my interactions with my colleagues, my coworkers uh, at work are much, much improved. And what I mean by that is I don't get annoyed as I might as easily in my job. I have a lot of people coming to me with their problems. Um, that, that's the only reason, actually, that people come to me is if, if something is not working or they can't figure something out. People come to me and, and sometimes it is very easy for me to get frustrated by that if I think their problem or issue is, is very simplistic. And I think, gosh, why can't you just figure that out on your own? And so if I have participated in one of my practices, if somebody comes uh, to me with one of their problems, I'm much more able to, to accept that and be like, okay, what can I do to help? Um, and, and I don't feel put out by it or anything like that. Um, so then if, I, if I've not been practicing, though, I will kind of have that grumpiness, I'll call it, where somebody will come in and, and ask me a question and it feels like they're disturbing me and I'm like, oh my gosh, why are you being this way today? I don't want to deal with that. And those um, little emotional roller coasters have much bigger ups and downs when I don't practice than when I do practice. And um, it feels much more even. And I feel like a more pleasant person. I feel more willing to to help. And, and I'm more available to the people around me. So that's a way that it really uh, plays out. But you also just see differently throughout the day, or, or that's also how I experience it. You know, they talk about this thing called the runner's high, which, you know, after you go on a run or do any kind of exercise, there's endorphins, you kind of have a different brain chemistry, and you feel good about what you've just done. You feel positive you've done a good thing for yourself. And you look around, and, and just everything is is brighter and more pleasant, and you're a more pleasant person. And, you know, the, the fascinating science that we're learning nowadays about neuroplasticity and and brain chemistry and all that kind of stuff is when we have a time of silence or contemplation or meditation or a sit, however you want to call it, those same kinds of, of things are happening in, in our brain and, and re rewiring our brain as if we just went on a run or something. And so you, so I, I feel like I get the same sort of almost physical sensation uh, that I would get from running 
as I would get from a time of centering prayer. And so they're very different. They really engage completely different parts of me, but the outcomes are really shockingly similar, uh, which I just find amazing. So to answer your question, I'm pleasanter. My emotional ups and downs are really smoothed out. And I'm just a more reflective person. I'm not as reactionary, uh, which is a, which is a, a big, big thing. We have a lot of reaction that happens in our society nowadays, and, and we're always being encouraged to react and comment and post. And, and so much comes at us that wants a reaction. And, and I think we would be far better off uh, in our society, in our world, if we were less reactionary and less judgmental. So, so that's how I experience the benefits of it. I completely agree with you. I realize that when I am um, a little bit more disciplined in my practices, that when I when I feel something happening inside me, whether it's annoyance or irritation or impatience or whatever, I can like find the time to stop myself and say, "Why am I feeling like this? What is happening in this room that is making me feel impatient or or whatever?" And usually, it's all about me. I can figure out what's going on and I can fix it. But if I haven't been doing practices, you're right. I am. I just react and it is sometimes not very pretty and it doesn't turn out well for and either the of us. Challenge is, Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the, the challenge is, you know, no matter what those feelings are going to arise, you know, so that slight irritation in my colleagues is is always there if someone comes to me with a problem. But what I'm able to do when I've had a more regular practice is I'm able to name that irritation and let it go. I see it and recognize it in myself, and I can let it go. I don't latch on to it, which is what Centering Prayer teaches us, is not to latch on to those thoughts, especially... Thomas Keating calls them the afflictive emotions, not to latch on to them because then I'm down that rabbit hole of storytelling and narratives and all kinds of things. But instead, I can let them go. So those irritations will always be there. But it's what are you doing? Are you reacting and hanging on to them and now telling yourself a story? Or are you seeing it, naming it? And letting it go. That's that's the key difference. Well, well, thanks for saying that too, because I thought I was just, uh, you know, I thought I was the only one who could do that. And I was really smart about it. But I guess other people have figured it out before I have. Shoot. So Yeah, uh, and, and I think that's the thing is when we talk about the spiritual life, you know, we really exalt people who we think are spiritual. And we would think, oh, man, just if I had a really active prayer life, that means I'm never going to be irritated at anybody. And I'm going to walk around and it's butterflies and I'm going to walk around with my head in the cloud all day. It is not like that. The most spiritual people still get completely irritated and you have those moments. But it's how are you reacting? So no matter who you are, you're going to have those irritating um thoughts or annoyances so that, you know, so everyone has that. I think it's important to say that. Uh, so it's almost like, you know, 
in a way, you're just doing a better job of taking responsibility for yourself in some ways. Maybe. Does that sound possible? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's your, you're choosing, you're choosing in that moment, how am I going to react? And that is the thing, you know, we talk about liberation and freedom in God and, and this idea of agency and free will. That is true freedom. That's what true freedom looks like. I think when you can say you have an angry thought arise or an irritating thought arise and you say, I'm choosing not to respond in a negative way to that. I am choosing to recognize this, name it, and return to my identity as a child of God. I am choosing to do that. That's what freedom looks like. That's what free will looks like. Wow. Thank you for that. So I I appreciate those words. Thanks for saying that. So um, you've talked about your individual practice, your individual spiritual practice that you like to do, the your running and your reading and your centering prayer. But is there a, a group practice that you like more than any other group practice? Yeah, when I'm a group, I am always, always, always surprised by um, it, it's kind of a form of Lectio Divina, which is a more classical name. And in Community of Christ, we're becoming much more familiar with the practice of dwelling in the Word, which is a little bit, um, it's a bit more informal practice where you engage with a scripture text or with a sacred text. It could be the words of a song or something. And you read it through slowly several times trying to go deeper and deeper with the meanings each time. And then when you do this in a group, everybody can share their perspective. And so I am never not surprised by the different understandings, the different life experiences, the different messages or meanings that a group of people can get from just a few sentences or a paragraph of scripture you can have completely different interpretations that are equally as valid. And it is always so surprising to me. And I always come away with completely new insight, completely new understanding. And that's something that's very hard to do on your own, uh, is to really come up with new thoughts and new ideas, I think. And so doing that in a group is, is really beneficial. And it really speaks, I think, to the depth of scripture. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned it on this podcast or not before, but when I was in seminary, we had to write a paper over like 10 verses in the New Testament. And by the end, I could have written a 50-page paper over 10 verses in the New Testament. I only had to write 25, thank goodness, but I could have written a lot more because Scripture just has infinite depth. And I think dwelling in the Word is one way to just take a look at that depth because you're right, so many different people see it in so many different ways. And a lot of times it just takes you deeper and deeper and deeper into it. So I agree with you. Dwelling in the Word is definitely one of my favorites as a group practice. So Dustin, you've mentioned um, a couple of that you like to read lots of different books, but you haven't really mentioned a lot of different authors. You've said Richard Rohr and Thomas Keating. Is that right? Yeah, Richard Rohr um, is one of my favorites. I'm always um, eagerly anticipating uh, his, his next book. He's quite prolific. Um, 
And lately, I've been reading Thomas Keating. I, I, I'm participating in a spiritual formation program, um, a, kind of like a training sort of thing, and where books are assigned to us, and we have to write reflection papers and stuff. And we've been having to read a lot of Thomas Keating in that. And I had never read him before. And uh, so I've, I've really enjoyed that. I've read several extra books Um of his, so he's kind of who I'm really steeped in at the time. Um, but another one of my favorites would definitely be Barbara Brown Taylor, and, and she has a, one really great book about spiritual practice that she has is called "An Altar in the World." And what I really like about her writing is that, un, unlike some some other spiritual writers, one, she's contemporary. So she uses language that is inclusive, that makes sense. Uh, and all these things that, that don't offend our modern sensibilities that we can easily get hung up on it's, that's those thought patterns that come up. Um, but she's, she's very accessible and she's a very candid writer, which I really appreciate. I mean, you really get a sense of her, her own story and journey and her own humanity and all the flaws that comes with that. And at the same time, she really demonstrates such grace and forgiveness in, in her own life and in the stories she tells from her own experience. So she's really accessible. And, and, and so I quite like her. And what a wordsmith, like the way she puts words together, it just, it, it just sounds spiritual somehow. I don't know how she does it, but I, reading her feels like I'm getting a nice big hug from my best friend. You know, she just envelops you with these words. I really appreciate Barbara Brown Taylor for sure. So Yeah, she's a beautiful writer. And, and she, like you said, she just sounds like a friend because she's candid and open and honest and, and vulnerable. Uh, and you really get a sense of who she is. So you feel like you really know her. Yeah. Are there any other um, books or you, you mentioned some uh, daily emails that you get? Um, anything else you want to mention for our listeners about, you know, your favorites? Yeah, one of my favorites uh, is a podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm happy to be a guest on a podcast. Um, I, I listen to On Being that's O-N-B-E-I-N-G, On Being, uh, is a radio show that you can find the podcast version of hosted by a, a wonderful woman named Krista Tippett. And if you go to their website, they have all kinds of daily blogs and different things they post. But I look forward to their weekly uh, radio show podcast that they put out. And she just interviews all kinds of different people. She interviews scientists and artists and writers and and social activists and and doctors she she interviews people from all walks of life who all have completely different backgrounds but who are thoughtful people who might not otherwise be heard and she gives them a platform to to share their wisdom and and what she says they've learned about the experience of being human. They, you know, they talk about the big questions in life like love and suffering and death and, and what those things mean and how they 
play out. Oh, it's it's just beautiful. And she is so utterly pleasant to listen to on the radio. She has a voice made for radio, made for audio listening, that it really puts me at ease to listen to in a way that allows me to be open to whatever she has to say. So I I really, really love that and would recommend that as a resource for people. So that's the On Being podcast. Um, Richard Rohr, I mentioned, as one of my favorites and everything, the resources that they do at his um, center that he founded is called the Center for uh, Contemplation and Action. You can go to their website um, if you just Google Center for Action and Contemplation. And they have a ton of resources besides Rohr's own writings. They they offer uh, classes and quarterly publications, and they put on retreats and big events and all kinds of things. So that that is a really play, great place to go. Um, yeah, those are those are kind of my main one. I mean, every I could list a hundred, but sometimes I think it's kind of better to focus in on just a couple things that speak to you and, and go deeper with those. So those, those are the ones that use for me. Yeah, I appreciate it. You say that Krista Tippett has a voice for radio. I've always heard I have a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, well, Dustin, I have just really appreciated hearing your experience. Um, you and I have known each other for a really long time, and I, I – I'm, I think we know each other pretty well, and actually I learned a lot about you on this podcast, so I really appreciate you being here. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to share that you didn't get a chance to share and that I didn't get a chance to ask? Yeah, kind of the last thing I would leave as a, as a final thought is, 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 you know, I say I am just a regular person who... Um, I don't work for Community of Christ. I'm a I'm a volunteer in all of my church roles as just someone in my congregation, but the leadership roles that I have in the church is all on a volunteer basis. And, and I am just a regular person who who tries to find meaning in my everyday and and tries to find meaning in my interactions with my colleagues and you know through my own life experience I think I've been led to this point of wanting to be interested in in having an active spiritual life having a prayer life and and what that means because you know you hear about this abundant life with God that we are supposed to live now, you know, we live our lives now and we want to live abundantly and, and have a deep, honest, true relationship with God. You know, and so I, I am not any kind of extraordinary person. I'm not paid to, to do this, um, or, or anything. And I think it is important to say that because the spiritual life and, and the journey and you think, oh, the prayer disciplines and the readings and all that I have to learn is, you know, that's not for me. It is not something you have to be a special person to do that. You know, this is the life that all of us are meant to live, are intended to live. And, you know, so for your listeners who might think, oh, that sounds too intimidating, you know, if you if you just have a desire, it, it's all about your desire. If you have a desire 
to live in true relationship with God and with others, you know, I think you'll naturally find your, your way onto a spiritual path. Amen. Uh, you know, Amen. exactly right. God calls us to live this kind of life and God wants us to live a, a much deeper life than I think that a lot of us are living. And so I appreciate you saying that, that, you know, I would disagree that you're just a regular guy, but I understand what you're <laughs> trying to say. So Dustin, thank you so much for taking some time out to, to discuss these things with us. I, I'm really, um, just grateful to call you my friend and to learn so much more about you tonight. Yeah, it was really fun to be here. It's, it is fun to talk about these things. I really enjoyed it. So thank you. The views expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official views of the Latter-day Seekers team or of Community of Christ. The music has been provided by Ben Howington. You can find his music at mormonguitar.com. breakfast i ate a smoothie that had some vanilla unsweetened almond milk with uh with frozen berries and a banana and some rice protein powder and some uh flax seeds yeah i just don't want it to be like bland and boring oh oh well